Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 836, air date November 10th, 2020. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayadure, and we have a very, very important discussion today on a set of mathematical analysis that we've done uh, that reveals uh, some unfortunate truths about uh, our U.S. voting systems. Uh, and specifically, we're going to be reviewing the Michigan voting uh, results in four counties. So we're going to wait for people to join. Um, we're having people join us. So we're going to have that uh, process go on. We have about 280. And we're going to wait for people to join. So um, as people are joining, I um, also want to share with you, we're joined by two uh, great guests, uh, Benny Smith, uh, who Benny and I did a video before, and also uh, a new guest, Phil Evans. And I'll give their backgrounds and I'll wait until people join. But the most important thing we're gonna discuss is gonna be a engineering scientific presentation, and we're gonna follow it uh, in many ways how we uh, present uh, scientific uh, results. We're gonna have uh, a little bit of background. Uh, we're gonna uh, give you everyone a, a decent amount of education because there's some very important concepts we're discussing here, but one of the things, as many of you know, I'm very committed to is to taking very, very complex concepts and putting it into a manner that all of you can appreciate and not only uh, learn from, but then you can teach this to others. It's a model of learn, teach, and serve. Uh, we live in a world right now of uh, media companies uh, who cherry pick what they want. They have an agenda. Uh, so it really comes down to us. And one of the themes of today's conversation is that, yes, there's an election taking place. And every time there's an election, everyone gets all urgent about that election issue but we need to take a step back and we have a great opportunity today to really start looking at much more fundamental issues about what it means to be a citizen, which is we're supposed to have democratic processes. And the fact is for far too long, you and others and many people have been sleeping. We've outsourced our uh, decision-making to politicians who have their agendas. And we have ended up with voting systems where the input and the outputs are unverifiable. And you're going to see that in a very profound way in today's discussion. But most importantly, I think the key takeaway is it's time that you get educated or be enslaved. And this is beyond a left or right discussion. This is beyond Republican and Democrat. This is beyond black and white. It's supremely fundamental. And it's a uh, aspect of the world that we live in that if we want to truly be free citizens, it's, it requires some significant responsibility on all of us. And ultimately, the people we put in to positions of power reflect our state of consciousness. So the goal here today is to elevate people's consciousness. And we have an incredible learning opportunity. Life rarely affords us these kinds of opportunities, but we have that opportunity. You have uh, uh, people here, uh, many of you know who I've talked about before, and many of the people who were involved in many of the various things I do. But today, uh, I can assure you that you're gonna get an educational lesson. So listen carefully, um, but we have great people who've been working on this for many, many years in a committed way. And the events that are happening give us an opportunity for all people to get educated. So let me just um, share uh, the screen here, what we're gonna be covering today. Let me go to the application window and I'm gonna introduce our wonderful guests. So let me share this. So um, we have Phil Evans, so if you notice, the title of the talk is A Mathematical Analysis of Trump-Biden 2020 Election, Vote Counts in Four Counties 
in the state of Michigan. I'm going to be the lead presenter, but we also have Phil Evans. Uh, Phil, are you there? Can you say hello? Uh, hello. So Phil is a, we'll give Phil's background, and we also have Benny Smith. Let me bring, Benny, you're there, right? Yes, I'm here. Hello, hey, everybody. Yeah, um, uh, Benny's also a, uh, and I'll give people's backgrounds. In fact, let me sort of jump right into it. Um, just for those of you who are new to me, uh, the area of uh, math and science uh, is something I've had to do for a long time to get a bunch of degrees at MIT, but I'm a scientist, inventor, and engineer, a Fulbright scholar. Um, you know, the, the election has not been certified in Massachusetts. I'm still a U.S. Senate candidate in Massachusetts. Uh, Benny Smith, Benny's a software engineer. Benny, you're also an election commissioner, right? That's right. And a data analyst. And Benny uh, was one of the first people uh, who discovered, probably the first person who discovered, and we'll get into that, the, uh, the fact that our votes are stored as decimal fractions. Very, very important. But Benny's very, very committed to election integrity. So great to have you, Benny. Thank you and for having me. And the phone, we have Phil Evans, who is, uh, 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 like myself, Phil is a fellow engineer, a Bachelor of Science in Engineering. By the way, Benny's been a computer programmer. He's an avid software engineer, uh, well, well adept at it. But Phil, you went to Clemson. Uh, you're also an inventor and engineer. And Phil, uh, you know, when you work as an engineer, uh, you learn some math and Phil has done some great, great work, which we're gonna share with you as a data analyst. Phil, are you there? Phil? Do we lose Phil? Hello? Phil? Huh. Oh, okay, we can hear you, Phil. Okay, great. No worries. So um, what I want to talk about before we jump into this is some very, very basic concepts everyone should understand. Uh, you can look at other videos that we did earlier on the solo election integrity issue, but fundamentally, if you think about that boxer as your voting system, as in any system, there's an input that comes in and an output that comes out. And evidence is something where uh, it's the inputs and the output should be unambiguous. So you can predict in a very clear way. Evidence is fundamentally unambiguous predictions. And what you'll realize is in the current system that we have, the input to our voting systems, we don't have voter registration card. We don't really have authentication. Some places do. We don't really get receipt uh, to the person that actually voted. So you don't really can prove that it was you who came into that precinct and voted. So you can't really prove that. And the conclusion is there's no definitive proof of your voting. So the input here, you could argue, has some issues with it. The other part is the output. So for example, we're assuming that the output actually reflects what took place in the voting. So for example, if the input was 30 voters came in and 10 voters voted for A and 20 voters voted for B, the out should be 30 votes, 30 ballots. And in fact, in the machine counted votes, we'll talk about their ballot images. So if 10 votes for A, so you should get 20 votes for B. All of this is true under the governing principle that the system cannot change the output. Okay, now if that is possible, then there is ambiguity since the output can be manipulated, which means that the evidence is not evidence. So simply put, you get some inputs coming in, what we're saying today in the United States voting systems, the inputs are not um, uh, you know, unambiguous. And the outputs, um, as we'll see shortly, can be manipulated, okay? But we assume, that the inputs are clean and the outputs are clean. And that's what we all want. Ultimately, all of us as Americans, as for free people, we want election integrity. And that's what ultimately we wanna to get to. Uh, again, just to review, ballots can be hand counted. 
people actually review them. They look for your little hand counted ballots or they can be machine counted. They convert your ballot in the machine counted into an image, which is called a ballot image. And those ballot images are then tabulated. So in that incident, when it's machine counted, to be clear, ballot images are not something trivial. They are the ballots because they are what is counted. Unfortunately, many of the states, Benny, correct me if I'm wrong, many of them are getting away not saving these ballot images. Am I right? Yeah, there are places where they're pending lawsuits uh, to force the states and the county uh, to preserve those ballot images. But for the largest, uh, large amount of the population, they were destroying them. Yeah, and we noticed that in Massachusetts, where when we found in our, our case, we just want to know, you know, we saw some serious irregularities and we found out that the ballot images are actually destroyed or deleted. And Massachusetts has a policy they claim their state allowed. The statute allows them to do that. They've never cited it. They've never showed it, which violates federal law. Because, you know, when I ran as a federal candidate, you have to save those for 22 months. The statute says all records generated in connection with the election must be saved. So if the ballot images are what's counted and you want to question the count, well, you have to. And if they don't have the ballot images, then it basically leads to that election process is null and void unless they allow, allow you then to go hand count. And they make hand counting very, very difficult. Am I right, Benny? That is correct. Yep. So uh, what I want to also talk about, we reviewed this before, uh, Benny and Bev Harris were instrumental in this. Um, there is a feature in the voting systems, which we'll come back to, called the weighted race feature, which went in back in 2001. As far as we know, Bev Harris brought this up. And it's a feature. It's in the manual. It's documented. Um, where the weighted race are tallied by weight. So if Benny got a thousand votes, I got a thousand votes, they can literally weight Benny's votes where his votes could be two to one. So he gets two, two votes for every vote that he got, 2000 votes. And my votes could be halved. So I get not a thousand votes, I get 1000 votes. This is a feature in the system. The other important thing to understand is, uh, I, I believe Benny, Benny, you and Bev Harris asked did a FOIA, right? In the election of US President and Vice President Cheney, Bush versus Kerry. And what you can see here is the discoveries that our votes are also stored as decimal fractions. So for example, Kerry Edwards, you can see down here is not 120,360 120, votes. It's actually 120,360.63. And one of the important things um, that Benny was able to do, Benny, you went and actually got the access database yeah, these were a result of court cases because people were protesting the elections and back then candidates weren't as willing to sue, but there were a number of them who did. And then they were able to get access not to the source code, but just to some of the the uh, uh, information that the election was tabulated in. And, and this was the Jim's database uh, from Premier Diebold at the time. But what you see here is the total votes, which is a number, is stored as a double. And again, you can see the other videos, but fundamentally our votes are stored double in computer speak means it's stored not as a whole number, but as a floating point variable. So it's not, uh, if you got, let's say 10 votes, it's not stored as 10, but it's stored as 10 point something as you're seeing here. Yeah. So this is some of the background. In our case where, uh, so Benny, Benny, you and I connected when you saw these irregularities, Be Bev Harris pointed us, so we built the relationship. And then Benny connected me to Phil. Uh, Phil uh, basically has done a lot of data analysis. We're gonna share with you some of the graphs he's done, which are very, very illuminating. But Benny 
uh, and others like John Brakey in our US Senate election in Massachusetts where we clearly knew we won, uh, but we did something interesting. We went and did FOIAs and we asked for the participating voters, which means the number of voters who actually voted, which is this tan column and the number of votes cast, which is the actual ballots. And what we found consistently in the seven, at least the seven cities that gave us data, there are more votes than voters, okay? So this was something illuminating. Then Phil Evans got involved um, and Phil looked at the data of our votes in Franklin County, for example, where we won, the only county where 70, 80% of the votes are hand counted, we found out that as a vote number of votes proceed, you see that the votes, um, this is the, these lines represent our vote accounts. The uh, mine is the, is the red and my opponent is a blue. You notice they flatten. And this is how curves should look over, over number of votes, they flatten. However, in all the other counties where the votes were machine counted, the votes do not converge. They have this parabolic effect. Right, Phil, and that parabolic effect, Phil, is a, a, one of the big indicators of something going on, voter issues or, or election fraud. Am I right, Phil? Correct. Yep, so that's what we're showing here. So anyway, that's the background. Let's jump into Michigan. So the reason I gave you that background is we have two great people here. Um, you know, I got involved in this, uh, not only as a mathematician, as a candidate, but when I saw what happened in our election systems here, um, Phil and, um, and Benny and I have built a very close working relationship. So let's jump right into Michigan. I know everyone's waiting for this. I hope uh, uh, you enjoy this and we'll have Q&A. Uh, Jen will help us with that. So in Michigan, there's around 86 counties. And what was analyzed here was a, 20, a top four counties were analyzed. Oakland County, Macomb County, Kent County, and Wayne County. By the way, all the data we're looking at, there's two sets of data. The early voting data, and then the uh, the voting date on election day. In some cases in Kent County and Wayne County, we combine them. But so there's two sets of data. So let's proceed. Now, the executive summary, this is what you're gonna get out of this. So if you need to leave right now and you're gonna run off to do something, the conclusion of this, um, which we like to present up front, is that there are three, in the three major counties that were analyzed out of the four, Trump's margin was reduced by a minimum of 138,000 votes. I'll repeat that. President Trump's margin was reduced by a minimum of 138,000 votes. So what that means is Trump's total vote total was decreased by 69,000 and Biden's vote total was increased by 69,000. In short, 69,000 votes were transferred from Trump to Biden in these counties. Uh, you know, and they varied across those counties, but a total of 69 counties. The other piece is this quote unquote transfer was done by a computer algorithm that linearly transferred. What that means, um, it transferred votes in a uh, proportional basis. For example, the more votes uh, got transferred from Trump to Biden, interestingly enough, as you went to uh, precincts that increased in Republicanism, which means there were more Republicans in that precinct. So basically, uh, and we'll show you, the, so, the, so the vote transfer really occurs more in Republican-based precinct and less in non-Republican-based precincts, okay? So again, a little bit of background. In Massachusetts, we have one type of voting, but in Michigan, as I've come to learn, there's two types of voting. One is you can just go vote for an individual candidate. You walk in, you can say, I'm gonna vote for Biden or Trump or candidate A or candidate B. Typically, independents may be like this. Or there's another thing called straight party voting. 
straight party voting, which means you you just go in and you say, I'm just going to vote for all Republicans or I'm going to vote for all Democrats. OK, so obviously President Trump is running as a Republican. When you do straight party voting, he gets that vote. If Biden is running as the Democrat uh, candidate, he gets the Democrat vote. But there's two types of voting. Interesting enough, each precinct tracks a voter either as casting the straight party vote or the individual candidate vote. Okay, they are separated. And Phil, in the analysis of the data you got, you got data for Michigan in both forms, as I understand. Correct. Okay, so now, there's, so to give you an example, because again, part of here is we're gonna discuss complex stuff, but I believe we just tested this on a bunch of our friends here. Everyone got it, so don't worry about the math. Um, it's gonna be easy, but let me just keep it simple, okay? Now, there's two types of voting at a precinct, and here's an example. So let's say, 200 total voters go to a precinct, okay? So 200 people walk into that precinct. Let's say 100 of them decide to vote the straight party method. So, so, and let's say the votes happen to be 60 votes for Republican candidates and 40 votes for Democrat candidates. So that would be 60% R, 40% D. So that you could argue that that precinct uh, of voters who chose to do the straight party method, it's an indicator of the demographics that that precinct is probably likely Republican. The other 100 voters who didn't want to do the straight party voting, they chose to do individual candidates. And in this case, we're looking at, let's say, 65 votes went for Trump and let's say 35 votes went for Biden. So that you'd have on the individual candidates percentages, 65 percent Trump, 35 percent Biden. Now, when you got to put it all together, you'd have the total vote count. So you'd have just just to be clear, this if you want to count the Trump votes uh, in the so 60 votes, for people who did straight party would come to Trump, that's at 60. 65 who did for the individual, so 60 plus 65, we have 125. So 62.5% of the votes went to President Trump. And then you have 40 from the votes for the Democrat straight party and 35 for Biden. So that'd be 75, so 37.5. So that's what the news would report, okay? But this is an example to give you an understanding of the straight party voting method and the individual and how they combine. Hope everyone's got that. Okay, now the analysis that was performed here compared two very specific metrics. So these metrics were plotted on the x-axis and the y-axis. Um, you need to listen very carefully here and I'll go through it very slowly because this is probably the most important thing to understand. Um, we mathematicians, we engineers, we can sort of grasp this, but none of this is valuable if this kind of knowledge just gets hidden away in some affidavit and some lawsuit or it's just put away in some you know, a brief somewhere, or it's just in some, uh, you know, YouTube channel no one sees. So the goal of this part I'm going to go through right now is to educate you in a very methodical way so you can teach this to your friends and family. So listen very carefully. So the analysis here include two metrics, right? So one metric is plotted on the x-axis. The other metric gets plotted on the y-axis. So one of the metrics that so we're going to compare, by the way, the data for any county is gonna be, so for any county, we're gonna look at all the precincts. Some of these counties have 200, 300 you know, uh, precincts. And for each precinct on the x-axis, we're gonna look at the Republican straight party votes, okay? For precinct, how many Republican straight party votes were there? And on the y-axis, we're gonna look at the direct Trump individual candidate votes, which means how many people voted directly for Trump, okay? So it's focused around Trump here. So plotting on the graph, 
Again, to be clear, on the x-axis, we're gonna have Republican straight party vote percentages, right? And on the y-axis, we're gonna have the difference between the percentage of people who voted for Trump and the individual candidates vote minus the, the people who voted straight Republican percentage votes. And th this will get clear. So consider this case. Let's say 60%, let's say the vote in a particular precinct was of the people who voted um, uh, straight party vote, 60% voted Republican. Okay, so that number would be 60%, which you would plot on the x-axis. And, and let's say for that same precinct, the individual percentage vote count for Trump was 65%. Okay, so what would you do? On the x-axis, you would plot 60. But on the y-axis, we're going to take the 65% minus the 60 to get 5%. Okay? Let me repeat that again, and I'll show you through on a graph. So if you look at that number, so on the x-axis, we have the Republican straight party vote. And you can see here, in this example, right, 60% is plotted. That, so that's, we go look along the x-axis. And along the y-axis, we're doing this calculation of the percentage of votes Trump got minus the percentage of votes that for, for the Republican. Now, why are we doing this? Well, if, if you're a Republican, most Republicans probably voted for Trump, okay? Now, in some precincts like this one, it looks like 5% more people, which could have been Democrats or independents or others, even Republicans voted more for Trump because this means Trump actually got 65% minus the 60. So, um, and if you look at another example, this may have been, you know, if you, if people want to believe the bias, all Republicans are very wealthy, et cetera, this may have been a wealthy Republican neighborhood. And that maybe this was a quote unquote working class neighborhood, which was, let's say more Democrat. Again, this is a bias. It's not true actually, but let's assume this. So in this case, along the Y axis, we see the straight party vote in this precinct, which may have been a very different neighborhood was 7% Republican. And even in here, in this case, we're saying Trump may have gotten 12% minus seven, 5%. So yeah. that's what we're uh, putting up here. Benny, does that make sense? Everyone? Got it. Great. Okay, I know you guys have seen this. The blue dots are precincts, so, so yes. that may, may be a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so, so just to be clear, every blue dot is a precinct. So in the normal case, if you look at this, if the center line, the red line, is Republicans, okay, straight line, uh, because the reality is that anyone who voted uh, Republican probably voted for Trump. So if you look at all these precincts, they should hover, hover around zero, right? So for example, any one of these Republican straight party votes, if you looked up and you looked at what the Trump vote was, it should be close to zero. All right, any questions? All right, good. So now let's take a case where maybe Trump, and there's some evidence to this, was actually doing better then people are voting just for Republican candidates. Remember, maybe he was getting more votes from others, okay? In that case, a graph would look like this, right? In this a situation where Trump is more liked than Republican Party candidates. So if you were just a straight Republican Party candidate, you'd be at zero, but you notice these precinct data saying that, hey, Trump was actually liked more than the straight party, than, than you know the general Republican uh, slate that was running, okay? So that sort of gives you an idea, normal case, and this could be where Trump's like. Now, now we're going to go into the data that Phil analyzed. And um, uh, so what Phil, by the way, as this says, so we have a graph here, which is one of these graphs. Again, the x-axis is a Republican um, straight party vote by precinct. Again, the y-axis 
is calculating the Trump vote minus the Republican, right? So what do you see here? You see something quite profound. By the way, as Benny said, every blue dot is a precinct. So we probably have in Oakland County, Phil, do you know how many precincts? I don't want to count your one, two, three, four. I'm going to probably like 300, 400 precincts. I'm just guessing. But there's hundreds of precincts here, okay? So every blue dot is a precinct here. And what you're seeing is as you move from left to right, which means the left is low percentage of you know Republicans. So these communities over here on your left are low percentage of Republicans. And as you move to the right, higher percentage of Republicans demographically. Now, what's fascinating on this graph is common sense would dictate that as you moved across, you shouldn't see it go down. What this is saying is, for example, if you look down here on the bottom right here, this is a community that 80% of, or 75% of the people voted straight party Republican, which means 25% voted Democrat. But Trump is nearly 20% less uh, than the mean here, or less than the Republican slate candidates, and so on. And more importantly, if you look at this data, it's not scattered. It's a beautiful line. Let's so let's look at the clo closer at this. So if you just look at the left part of this, so I'm looking at less than 20%. So these are communities, precincts, where they're less than, you could argue, 20% demographically Republicans. And if you were to draw a, a line, an average, you see it's around 7%. So in this case, in those communities, even though they're not Republican, could be black communities, minority communities, working class communities, Trump is more popular than other Republican candidates by about 7%. Okay, that's eyeballing that. So I hope that's clear. However, if you look in communities as Republicanism increases, Trump's votes go down. And they don't just go down in a random way. If you draw this beautiful center line, they go down in a very linear way. As more as 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 precincts have more percentage of Republicans, Trump loses more percentage of votes in a linear fashion. Okay, which means in a um, in a uh, a way that graduates with the percentage of Republicans. Okay, so this is quite fascinating. In fact, it's highly unlikely. And so let's take an example. So we're going to take, again, we're looking at Oakland County. And by the way, these are early voting. Okay. And I'm going to take this data point right here. And if you look down, this data points around 45%, which means 45% of the people in this precinct uh, decided, of, of the people went straight party Republican vote, 45% voted Republican, which means 55% voted Biden. By the way, I'm taking a case here. So we want to be objective. This is a scientific engineering presentation. We don't want to choose Trump or Biden. Some of my uh, Trump people say, hey, how come you don't want to show Trump got more votes? We don't want to do that. We don't want to bias the the analysis here. But here's a vote where uh, it's basically 45 percent of this precinct is Republican, uh, you know, deduced from the straight party voting and the 55 percent is Democrat. OK, so let's assume this is an example. Let's we don't know the exact numbers, but Phil could probably look it up. But Let's assume in that precinct, there were 2,000 votes, okay? 2,000 people actually came in and voted to be specific, okay? So 45% means 45% from uh, where came from the Republican straight party voting. And if you look, because this number is minus 20 and the x-axis is plotting whatever Trump got minus a Republican, you can calculate Trump got 25%, right? 25% minus 45. So just to be clear, 
in that precinct, 45% of the people when uh, of the of the people who did straight party voting, 45% were Republicans. So you could say 45% of that precinct is Republican. However, when you looked at in that precinct, what percentage voted for Trump? It was 25%, which means 20, 20% less than what you would think, which means from the zero here. So if you just do the numbers, again, just to make this very tangible, if that precinct had 2,000 voters, and let's say 1,000 were straight party voters, four, so the Republican candidates would get 450 votes from the straight party voting is 45%, and the Democrats that obviously, the difference of that get five, 550 votes. Okay, so that's the straight party voters. Now, the other, let's say the other thousand voted individual. They wanted to choose their own candidate. And, and we're assuming, or not we're assuming in this example, if you look at that curve, it's gotta be 25%. So 250 voted for Trump and 750 voted for Biden. So in this case, what would AP News report or CNN or Fox, they would look at this data for that precinct. They'd say, okay, Trump got 700 votes total because 250 from individual candidates, 450 from the straight party voting, that's 700. And 700 out of 200 is 35%. Biden, however, got 550 votes from straight party voting Democrat, and he got 750 votes from Biden, uh, from individual people voted, so that's uh, 1,300, so he got 65%. And the news would report Trump lost to Biden by a margin of 30%, okay? Now, each one of these precincts um, has been calculated, okay? So now let me point you to this analysis. So now the concept of in a highly, in, in the fact that 45% of people are Republican, Trump only got 25% votes is a little bit odd. So let's, for the sake of analysis, assume he also got 45%, the same number, that means a curve would go up to here, right? It'd be at the zero point. And just to, again, uh, make sure you're understanding the fundamentals, so let's say this this point is 45% zero, which means a 45% votes from the Republican straight party voting, but Trump also got 45%. That's what you would assume um, if the Republican candidate is in alignment with the Republicans, okay? Now, if that precinct had also 2000 voters, nothing has changed here, 450 for Republicans, candidates 550. But here, what you'll notice is Trump now picks up an additional um, 200 votes, right? Because he got now additional 20%, so he gets 450. Biden's at 550, okay? Changes a little bit the dynamics. This is very important to see this dynamics. Um, and what you see AP in news, in this case report, Trump got 45%, which is 900 votes out of the 2000, and Biden got 1100 votes, which is 55%. And the news would say, well, Trump didn't lose by that much. He didn't, in this case, lost by 30%. They say he lost by 10%, okay? However, when you really put this graph and this together, the net of it is what you find is this truth, which is an orange. That 10% of the Trump votes, if this was down here and it should have been up here, were given to Biden and 200 votes were taken from Trump and 200 votes were given to Biden. So total of, you know, there's, a, so this would mean 10% of Trump votes were given to Biden, all right? So what Phil did, um, Phil Evans, he did this for every precinct. And he found out when you really br bring Trump's votes, what we think the pattern should be around the straight party vote line, you find out about 20,000 votes were taken from Trump and 20,000 votes were given to Biden for a 40,000 Biden lead in the Oakland early voting, okay? Just one county. 
So that's what you see here. Now, more importantly, if you notice, I've drawn these orange lines. So what you notice is this phenomenon, if you actually look below 20%, Trump was actually getting more votes than Republican candidates, right? All the way up to 20%, you see he was getting close to 7% more votes than his other Republican counterparts. But some, for some reason, which we'll talk about, right at 20%, it looks like his vote counts start getting linearly reduced. And if you look at this curve, and I've looked at lots of curves, Benny, you've seen a lot of these curves, Phil, right? Any one of us who's in the pattern analysis business, when you see this, you, it's immediately, if you are if you look at these, you say something's up, okay? This, this is too uh, structured, okay. right? Too, <laughs> too perfect. perfect. Yeah. What is that, Benny? Too perfect. Too perfect, okay? You don't, I mean, this is, I mean, we in data analysis, pattern analysis, if you're a, uh, in AI, you look for features like this because it lets you build it, you know, an algorithm, right? This is easy. So this beautiful curve hits flat and boom, it drops in a nice linear fashion. As though an algorithm was there, as you went across, votes were getting cut by Trump. And that's what we see here. And remember, we've talked about it, the election systems going back to Diebold, right, Benny? They have the feature of being able to manipulate vote counts from one person to another. It's called the weighted race feature. So you see it here. Now, is it only in Oakland County and early voting? Well, let's look here. Here's election day voting. Uh, right, Phil, this is election day we're looking at. And you see the same thing. Election day, If you, there's around 20,000 votes. 10,000, Trump's votes are reduced by 10,000 and Biden's votes were increased by 10,000 here. But look at this pattern, same thing. Around It's around 7% and boom, okay? Slope looks pretty damn close, doesn't it, Phil, Benny? Yep. Looks very, very close. Okay, in a, in, a, in in on a different time. The reason this is important is this is in one time period. So temporally, we're looking at. So we're looking at. We're going to look at temporal, which means by time and spatial, spatially. So temporally, we're looking at one event before election day, early voting, and this is after early voting. You see the same feature. All right. Now let's go into a different county. Is this only in Oakland? By the way, Oakland is one of the biggest counties. And, and by the way, I want to put both of them together. Um, you see that in this, when you add it all up, 60,000 votes uh, in, increased Biden's lead, right? So a total of 30,000 votes were reduced for Trump and 30,000 votes were increased for Biden. So Biden's margin increased by 60,000 votes. All right, so that's Oakland County. Now let's look at a different county. Again, spatially, we're going to a different place and a different time, early voting. Macomb County, here there were 28,000 votes. 14,000 were taken from Trump, 14,000 were given to Biden. And what do you see here? Well, in this case, Trump actually even does even better. He's almost at, what does that look like? About 12%, Benny? 12%? 12%. And then here, this kicks in around a 25%. Okay, but same sort of slope, okay? So they start eating Trump's votes at this point, but he's doing better in these counties but by 12% more than the, the Republican uh, party candidates, okay? He's doing better. Now let's go over here to McCobb County on election day, okay? Same feature you see, in fact, he's doing really good here up to 22%, right, Phil? That's what that looks like. 22. Right, in the uh, election day, all right? <clears throat> yeah, uh, you know, it looks like 22% on election day you know, in the non, non, you know, more democratic. Hey, Phil is telling us, I think he's looking at the graph. What'd you say, Phil? Well, I was, uh, sorry, I was looking at the uh, X4 
Yeah. And, and then again, it drops precipitously uh, when the uh, right around here. Okay. But same feature, same algorithm is in place. Um, by the way, when we say same algorithm, it can be weighted for populations, et cetera. Now we look at, again, the same thing here. So total, when you look at Macomb County, a total of 16,500 votes were taken away from Trump. By the way, these are minimum, um, minimum. And 16,500 votes were given to Biden. So a total of 33,000 uh, leads. So if you take 33 plus 60, we're up to 93,000 votes between Macomb and um, Oakland County. Now we want to look at Kent County. And Phil, when you generated the state, I believe you combined both early and election day. So we have all of it together. Um, and here you see nearly 45,000 vote margin from Biden, which means around 22,500 votes were taken from Trump. 22,500 votes were given to Biden. And what you see here is a 45,000 margin. And again, you know, in these communities, which are more Democrat communities, Trump's doing well. And then again, the algorithm kicks in and Trump's votes start getting eaten. And what's fascinating about this is here's a community, which is nearly, if you look at this precinct right here, that's 85% people came in, voter Republican, and Trump's down there, down by 25%. Just think about that. So that means Trump um, actually got 60% here votes, or if that's 85, uh, yeah, you got 60% here, less. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, it was 60%. Uh, there's a 25% difference. Okay. You, yeah, you could even make the argument that even if you want to believe that Republicans hated Trump so, so much, the, the larger that the population size were, they still wouldn't be able to hate him in such a perfect line. Exactly. That's, this is the important point. So uh, we'll come to this in our conclusion. And, but you know, people like Mitt Romney have said, well, generally Republicans are still Republicans, but they got tired of Trump. Right. But you wouldn't see it in this beautiful, linear straight line. It would be like a cluster and we'll talk about that. Very good point, Benny. So that's the data. Now, before we go, we do have a fourth county, which is Wayne County, predominantly Democrat. Okay. And what you're going to see here is something quite alarming, but also spectacular is this graph. What do you see here? Isn't this fascinating? Wayne County. In fact, it looks like at least this algorithm was not applied. Maybe they did other stuff and we're not going to even speculate. We want to take a scientific approach here. But what you see here is, look at this. When you put the Trump line, it looked like Trump was doing 10% better. Now, these are predominantly Detroit. I would say, Benny, would you say predominantly black communities? So Trump is actually doing better. He was actually doing better. Uh, and, and there was some evidence that a lot of the people in the black community were moving away to Trump. Maybe not to Republican voters, but to Trump. And you see that phenomenon here. So our view is, you know, that this algorithm, what we're talking about here, this algorithm was not applied here. Maybe something else was, we haven't detected it, but it's clear that Trump was doing better among Democrat precincts. The other uh, point, Shiva, is you could you could see that you could establish some some real upper and lower control limits here yeah. because there's there is the presence of a line. But with the other ones, it's just it's going straight down. There are no, there's no such thing as an upper and lower control limit. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's almost like a, we call it a transistor function, right? At a certain point, right. you know, you get, you cut off, you know, yeah. and transistors go straight down, but this is this kind of, from an engineering standpoint, it's a, a ramp function, but anyway, not to get too technical, but the point is Wayne County, we don't see any, this algorithm in place. 
So we say, quote unquote, no cheating, no algorithm applied. So that's the data. So what do the results show? Let's conclude on the results. Well, the algorithm that's there moves Trump votes to Biden. That's what it's doing. And I don't think anyone will argue with it because we've seen Trump votes moving to Biden. The second thing is that as precincts increase with a higher percentage of Republicans, greater percentage of Trump votes are transferred to Biden. So you would think, wow, more people are Republicans in this precinct. You would think Trump would do better. In fact, it almost it seems like being Republican, going to Republican precincts was his worst nightmare. You lose more. He lost higher percentage of votes, the more Republican precincts they were. Another way to think about this is the more the precinct was Republican, the more percent of Trump votes are transferred to Biden in that precinct. I'll repeat that. The more the precinct was Republican, the more the percent of Trump votes are transferred to Biden. And, and by case in point, let's just go look back here at Kent County. This very dramatic graph here. So very Republican. This is almost like 90% Republican. Trump got nearly 25% votes lost there, e.g. transferred to Biden. Okay? That's what we're looking at here. So this is just looking at the data. So the slope of the discount to Trump's votes is the same for each county. That's what's more interesting. What do I mean by that? What is the slope? Again, people, if you have forgotten um, uh, algebra, right? And y equals mx, this slope, this line, this is a little bit steeper, but by and large, the slope is pretty much the same, okay? So the slope of that line looks very similar. And that's what we wanted to make here. The slope of the discount to Trump's votes is reasonably, quote unquote, I should put the same for each county. Now, Wayne County, other result, had no algorithm we detected, right? That was just flat. And that was very much like the work that Phil did here in Massachusetts, where we looked at Franklin County, it was all hand counted. Remember that, Phil, it was all flat. We didn't see any changes, okay? So what's the discussion? So those are the results. Let's have a discussion here. So the algorithm, we believe, is a weighted race allocation method. It's a transfer of a percent of votes from one candidate to another. As we've discussed, the percent is a weighted decimal value, and we can calculate it as we get more data. But clearly, the weighted race method, and, and one of the things is the weighted race, as we mentioned at the outset, uh, is a documented feature in election systems as early as 2001. And all major vendors, we had a discussion about, right? But it's not just Dominion, it's all of them oh, are believed oh. to have this feature. Diebold, as we showed in 2001, had, maybe it was earlier, but Bev Harris's work uncovered that was, it was originally in the Diebold systems. Am I missing anything there, Benny? No, that, that the breakup of the election industry started with Diebold. So all of the software um, that the other vendors probably would have used, the source code would have originated from the Diebold. Right. Yeah, right. So there we go. So let's go back. So what we see here, so that's a discussion. The other piece of this discussion is this, why are more percent of Trump votes? So we want to ask some questions. You know, in science, in engineering, we have to actually solve a problem. So you have to get down to the heart of the real problem, right? We're not politicians here. Uh, Phil, ain't a, Phil is an engineer. I'm an engineer. Benny's an engineer. We all program software. We can't BS our way out of talking our way out of stuff. Our software doesn't work. Something's wrong. So we always have to ask some profound questions to find the heart of the issue. So one question is, why are more percent of Trump votes transferred to Biden in precincts that have more Republicans? It's an interesting question. Second question is, is this, are both Republicans and Democrats involved in supporting this algorithm? Interesting question, because you have Republican precincts 
And in Democrat precincts, the algorithm is not on. So what's going on? Are both parties involved? So, and the other question we probably need to ask, and again, this more research, are both parties aware of such features in these voting systems? We're hearing now news, there's lawsuits against Dominion, right? That's happening, others, but you know, are both parties aware of these features? Uh, another question is, is it possible that this pattern is normal and explains a normal voting pattern? What do we mean by this pattern? We're talking about that line going, just to be clear, we're talking about that line going across and then coming down at a certain point, that pattern, line going across and coming down. So is it possible that's just normal? Well, that just happens. This is not no algorithm, you know, you guys are uh, trying to say, but you know, is it possible that's normal? And we had a big discussion among our team on this because we really wanted to, again, provide everyone, because we think this is a very important issue for the entire country, for that matter, uh, those people who have suffrage now in the world and we're relying on these technology systems, maybe is this just normal? Well, you know, and in fact, for example, Mitt Romney would say, and he has said this, the pattern makes sense. He would say, look, since Republicans stayed Republican, but no longer like Trump, this could be true, right? This could be true. However, if that's the case of what Mitt Romney says, look, Republicans broadly are still Republicans, but there's a percentage of them, you know, across the board who just don't like Trump, right? They just don't like him. Trump lost votes and that's just the way it is. Okay. Well, if that were true, what would you see? You would see this, right? You would see all these precincts deviating from the norm, you know, at some distribution like this. All right. But that's not what we see, right? But that's not what we see. What we see is a predictable line, a decline of dislike for Trump with increasing percentage of Republican precincts. We actually see this. We don't see this. If Mitt Romney was right, you would see this. Or if any rational person would write, oh yeah, Trump just pissed off a lot of Republicans everywhere. Well, across all precincts, you'd see this everywhere. But what we see is this. In fact, we see a beautiful line, which you could go back to your algebra one class and write an equation for y equals mx plus b. And I could draw that line. I could calculate it precisely. So precisely, I could put it into a computer program. That's how precisely I could do this. And I'm sure we could do this in, in any function, probably in five, 10 minutes. We haven't gotten there yet. Any software engineer listening can do this. So just to be clear, Mitt, if you're listening, if what you were saying, Mitt, that would sure be like this, but the reality is like this. And I think um, Mitt would probably find this a little more, I would be illuminated if he could answer this in some normal means. Um, so, so given that this predictable linear decline of dislike increases, it makes no sense, right? This makes no sense unless a computer algorithm was in place to lower Trump's votes as a function of percentage of Republicans in a precinct, in this case, linearly, okay? That curve, boom, it goes down beautifully linear. So let me, let me just, bring that back to everyone. And, and I'll ask Phil and um, uh, uh, Benny if you want to add, but, and we still have some other stuff to finish, but what we're saying is that beautiful point where it's nice and flat, Trump's actually doing well in non-Republican precincts. And then it's like a switch gets turned on and it goes down linearly. Our position is that could only be done by a computer algorithm in such a precise way over so many precincts, okay? It's not like, because over so many precincts, you'd see some random fluctuations. You don't, you see a nice little line going there. Phil and Benny, do you want to add anything to that discussion point? Phil's the man. Phil? Um, I mean, you said it pretty well. Um, I, you know, the, the main thing 
is, uh, Benny, you know, I respect, greatly respect the work you've done. And uh, is there any doubt in your mind, what, what percentage uh, chance is it that what we're seeing is not a computer algorithm? Let me just ask that for everyone's audience because Phil's on phone here because he's got what Phil asked Benny is, what is the chance that that pattern, let me go back here, the pattern that we're talking about is just a, is just um, not a computer algorithm. That was a question Phil asked you, Benny. Yeah, I, I rarely would say 0%, so I may say 1%. Um, you get in trouble if you uh, if you don't leave a little little room for, for error. Um, it's just not something you would see. Again, the 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 engineering is reversing the 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 organization of the precincts, and as they grow in size, at some point you are supposed to strike an average. So that means if we got to precincts, if they were continuing to increase, and we had a hundred percent turnout, then that number would just grow further in the size, and that line and that slope would continue to go down, and that is literally the presence of something that is not. Uh, uh, it's, it's barely germane to something that's natural. It's something that's artificial. Right. So that's the bottom line here. So the bottom line is this is the, the probability of this from any mathematical description, you would you would call it, I'm just going forward again, uh, is unlikely. Now, so the future research questions we have as scientists and researchers is, hey, are both parties, Democrats and Republicans, aware of this algorithmic process? Another question, is a coup underway? You know, and who, who would be behind such a coup? Democrats, Republicans, or both? Or you could argue, did Biden win legitimately? That's all how much? possibility. What's did, that? Did he, have a land, did he have a landslide? And we just don't know it. Yeah, did he have such a massive landslide? that Because we analyzed one county based on someone saying that they saw some switches and it being confirmed that votes did switch. Uh, we, we've analyzed this in this mechanism Oh, for four or five years, uh, I've done it with Phil for at least two or three. Um, so we already knew how to go and look, but you know, it was kind of a gift that that somebody acknowledged that it was there. Yeah. So, but again, we're being open. Our goal is to just ask these important questions. Again, the questions in the future are: Both parties and Democrats aware of the algorithmic process? Is there a coup underway? Who is behind such a coup? Democrats, Republicans, or both? Or did Biden win? Now, the conclusion that we have, because ultimately, why are we doing this? What, why, you know, important question left is why? I think what we all want is the inputs and the outputs today in our voting systems are unverifiable. That's the unfortunate truth we all have to deal with. And if we don't deal with that, we're sleeping, we're not being uh, real citizens, but this is the uh, God's honest reality. If we take away our rose colored glasses, you know, for far too long, we've been looking at Venezuela or Afghanistan or other countries. Oh my God, those have banana republics. But the reality is the United States voting systems, the inputs and the outputs to our voting systems are unverifiable. That means the evidence is ambiguous. So how do we get out of this? So there. So now that we've identified the real problem, which is first bullet, what's the real solution? Well, here are some attributes of those solutions we believe. One is we need verifiable inputs. And what that means is we need permanent uh, voter registration, for example. What that means is, you know, wouldn't it be nice, oops, wouldn't it be nice if we actually had some way to have a voter registration card? And this gets over the Republican Democrat rift on this issue. The second issue is open source of software. All of these softwares are owned by a few companies. We can't even go in and see which switches are turning on. It should be open source. The third is hand marked paper ballots. And Benny, do you want to speak to that? The different yeah, 
Yeah. yeah the, the, the hand marked paper ballot is, is such a, a viable solution to this because if, if at any point you want to remove the computers from the process, you can still arrive at an output. That is a true input. The voter intent is enshrined with hand and eye coordination. Yes, there will be some errors and we can use software to help us with that. But computers are they work best when they are they are automating processes. Anything that's repeatable can be automated. And the process of repeating voting happens over and over again. And it lends itself to automation and such automation that we can see why a pattern or an algorithm like this. And again, that the, the documented feature of a weighted election is such <laughs> such a bad idea. And the only thing that can can verify to us in a black box is uh, the the input, and if we don't we don't we we can't know if a, a weighted election was conducted. It's a feature. It's not a bug. So the only way we could get back to that is to to for the citizens to be able to remove the computers from the situation. I think in Michigan, what happened was they 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 saw that something was wrong. They bypassed the computer and they hand counted it, and then they got to the true number. Well, who would think that that they get to the true number, you could remove the computers to do so? Right. And, and we noticed that here, you know, Benny in Massachusetts, right? The hand counted count, a beautiful flat curve. And then in all the other counties, you know, we're losing six, you know, nearly 50% of our votes. Um, so the other big thing is we need to save the ballot images pursuant to law. One of the big things that John Brakey um, illuminated me to in this whole process is, which was, is that when you take, go to the machines separate from the hand mark hand, hand, uh, ballots, but if you go to those precincts which have the machines, when you take that piece of paper and it goes in, it creates a ballot image. So it takes a photo literally of your ballot. Now, the important point is what is actually counted? No one's counting the paper anymore. That's stashed right. away. What's actually being counted is that image. The machine looks for your dot or your lips and it's counting it. So this is a very important but important legal and a rational and common sense argument is that ballot image is the ballot. That is okay. a ballot. That ballot image is a ballot. And some people in the election integrity world were sort of iffy about this, but it is the ballot. So as, as we know, uh, it, it, those ballot images, many of the states are deleting them after the election. They're throwing them away. But if you think about it, the paper comes in, the ballot image is created. And as I understand is when I went through the manuals, Benny, uh, several of them, the ballot, the saving of ballot images is a factory setting. Is There's default. three settings on those machines. It's save all images, save write-ins, and oh, delete them. Yeah. And I think the ballot or the ballot voting companies are trying to be in compliance with federal law. Federal law says you have to save any records generated in connection with an election for 22 months. 22 months. So those are supposed to be saved. But in places like Massachusetts, to my, I was quite shocked when I found out that they don't save the ballot images when we ask for the FOIA. And then it also turned out that they claim that the Massachusetts state has a different law that allows them to delete the ballot images. And when I shared that, everyone listening, that's why I was away. A lot of my people on Twitter said, Shiva, where have you been? You've been away for 21 days out of my 35 days in my yeah. federal election because I shared the email communications with the secretary of state sharing email conversation where she's admitting that Massachusetts destroyed, deleted, quote unquote, not stored the mallet images. When I put those up, the secretary of state contacted Twitter, had me banned for 21 days. And this is not just me claiming this. We took it to federal court. 
I asked for an injunction against the Secretary of State, and courts do not like to issue injunctions. Judge, you were pro se. I went pro se against three. No, no lawyer in Massachusetts wants to go after the swamp here. Right. I don't know law. I had to learn all this stuff. Presented myself a, a 34, 50 page brief in front of the judge. Judge Mark Wolf agreed with me, and he said that the Secretary of State had induced Twitter told him he cannot call Twitter, told him that we also discovered something even more profound, Phil and Benny, this is even more amazing. This is part of our bigger lawsuit now, that the there's an organization called the National Association of State Election Directors. Look it up, N-A-S-E-D. Uh, Jen, you may want to put it out there. This organization is a nonprofit controlled by organizations like Rockefeller Brothers. And this is just fact. You can look at it. And by the Murdoch Company. Okay, those organizations control the NASED or fund them. And the NASED also contacted Twitter to have me taken down because I was asking the question about this very important integrity issue that I was concerned about, which was where are my ballot images? Okay, and the state deleting ballot images, which is a violation of federal law. So we talked about this earlier. Um, and I think John Brakey's talked about it. He said, we should publish the ballot images because if you have the images, put them up on the internet. We can yeah. all do a public recount. If I could add a thing with John Brakey, John Brakey represents Audit USA, um, the Audit Elections USA, and they filed a lawsuit in federal court for the state of Florida. And I think the end result was they agreed that they needed to preserve those ballot images in Florida. They didn't give them to him, but I think they did uh, mandate that they had to preserve them based on the federal statutes. And in fact, the the federal statute, when I went and read it, Benny, it, the, the reason the federal statute was created was because the states were deleting them. Right. But, but they said for federal candidates, you got to save them. Right. And they're not doing it, which means that the numbers that we're seeing, you cannot verify from the ballot. If you can't verify from the ballot images, well, you got to hand count everything. That's the only way. So the fourth, the, the next, the sixth part of this is we need to have automatic audits, yeah. which means uh, the election should be audited in real time. All elections, we shouldn't have to wait if there's a problem. Just like I think all of us, you know, I run many companies, I go through audits. If I'm publicly traded, I got to audit. It seems like the publicly traded companies, we have to live through a very different standard than the United States government when they do campaigns. They don't even have to get audited only when there's an issue. But typically when you file your S1 for a publicly traded company, or if you're a public company, you have to be audited on a quarterly basis. I would, argue, I would argue that I earned my stripes as a developer because I was doing it in finance and they were, <laughs> there were routine audits. Um, so, you know, they, they want to be able to drop a parachute in the middle of a scenario and you can walk them back to the beginning or walk them to the end. And that's just something that just does not happen in elections. Yeah, it's, it's quite profound. And I don't know if you want to add to that, Phil, that the fact that in one of the most important things where counting is involved, because remember, all these people do is just count. We're Some counting. Exercise. And it's you could argue the counts that they're doing are more important than counting money, right? We're counting the future direction of who's getting elected, policy, which controls billions or trillions of dollars, that in that process, there is no audit. So one of the proposals here is we need to have automatic audits. And finally, is at the end of when an election takes place in any one of those blue dots of precinct, they actually have the poll tapes, exactly what the vote counts were. Well, all of those should be published immediately. Instead, what we do is we wait until they're transferred somewhere else. And that's another problem, right? 
where the yeah. vote can be manipulated. That's a really bad problem. And there were a number of initiatives that that started. Uh, this this happened for me in 2015 when I took a picture of a poll tape. Um, anybody can see what happened for, for that scenario. But there are a number of initiatives. There was scrutineers.org. There was smart elections. There was protect our votes. There was CSA 2020. There were a number of organizations and their entire purpose was to document what was happening on election night. And what they were finding it was in certain places, they wouldn't publish the poll tapes despite say, state law saying that, that they had to. They would publish them and then withdraw them. Uh, uh, transparent elections uh, in North Carolina, I think they won't give them the poll tapes. I think Lynn Bernstein of, of that organization, she's there now trying to get the uh, state to give her the poll tapes. So federal uh, statutes should just include that as a part of the process. It commits data to the record and you can do use a system of accounting because like you said, this is counting. This is an accounting exercise. Uh, but put a bunch of CPAs on this and they'll tell you what all the problems are. Yeah, I mean, and it's and you look, there are a lot of people who know this. So the issue behooves anyone or the issue question brings to point um, from the from, so just to keep it simple on the poll tape issues when an election night ends when you have 100 precincts each of those machines generates the actual results but we don't get to see those results right away in the old days you had the town crier remember in every town there was they would announce the votes and the guy would go out into the middle of the square and he'd say benny got 20 votes shiva got 10 votes and they'd announce it right then and there at that place decentralized when you centralize everything and you give it to some developer, some company, et cetera, that's where manipulation can take place. You can reduce that significantly by right when the data comes, you town crier it out, you let everyone know. And that's the issue there. And to your point, when Michigan corrected what was, first of all, there's no such thing as a glitch. <laughs> Let's just clear that yeah. up. Uh, computers do not run code and compile any no compiled code can decide to to change its mind. <laughs> so um, the way that uh, Michigan uh, caught the error was they went to look at the the printed out poll tapes, I think, and then they compared that to the tabulated results to find the errors. Yep. Yeah. So that I think that's a point is that if the poll tapes are there and they're just part of standard process, you don't have to wait for a, a nice situation or a lucky situation. So right. what is to be done? Well, you know, this is a a view that we, you know, this is a, uh, a position. One view is, you know, you fire the Democrats, we fire the Republicans. And our view is that working people need to unite. Bottoms and this, what's that, Benny? Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Because, you know, when we started putting this together, you know, oh my God, will Fox cover this? Oh my God, would Laura Ingram cover it? Oh my God. You know, so many people discover some inequity in the world you always think, oh my God, I got to get this person involved. You know, and we've been, by the way, just to let you know, in the last 24, 36 hours, I've been getting calls from everyone. I'm not going to reveal who, but our view has been is what have these people been doing for 20, 30 years? I find it hard to believe that people in the centers of government, Democrats and Republicans did not know this was taking place. So our view is to be safe in the interest of we, the people, that's why we decided to do this data directly to all of you. We did not want to just publish in some report, give it in some affidavit to some fast talking lawyer who was going to say, well, we're going to publish it here. And, and then it probably gets put into somewhere or they take it and they do a movie on it. And then, or they try to go on some evening news and talk about how they discovered something. Uh-uh. Our view is we, the working people need to unite. All of you seeing this 
should take this, study it, and push it out on your own. We don't need the news media anymore. You know why? Because they're all part of it. When you look at the fact the NASCD, National Association of State Election Directors, is a nonprofit funded by the Rockefeller Brothers. You can go look it up. Funded by Quadrivium, which is owned, uh, which is run by the two Murdoch, Murdochs. One of them, by the way, is uh, Fox News and the other one, we don't know, but one of them uh, doesn't really like Trump, as I understand. The woman, Carolyn, um, Carolyn uh, Murdoch. And you can go look at this, but the issue is, by the time we figure out what they're up to and will they get our data, will they give us news time, time is gone and they're on to their next gig. The issue that everyone needs to understand, we need to fire the Democrats, we need to fire the Republicans, we as people need to unite. So this presentation here should be something everyone should share with your families, with your kids, with your neighbors, bring them in, share it, and then you guys teach it. We made this in such a way that it's very, very accessible and relatable and frankly, educational. And so our issue is thank you. And uh, thank you very much. That's what we need to do. We need to move forward to recognize that we need to build something that is truly in integrity with who we are as uh, people that this country was supposed to be built on. Freedom, a, a voting system that has integrity. Uh, this system is also supposed to be built on people actually work for a living. Benny works, Phil works, Phil's an entrepreneur has created many interesting things. I work, we don't get paid for any of it doing this. None no, of us. We get a lot of trouble for this too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, there are people right now, Benny, who've been calling me, oh my God, election fraud. Sheila, I got mm -hmm. money for this. You want money for this. There right. are people trying to make a business out of election fraud tabulation work. That's one thing. But the point is, we need to go back to we the people. And I hope this was valuable for everyone to understand. Um, Phil, do you have any other uh, points? Uh, open floor for you, Phil, Benny, you guys want to share? I just want to thank you both for the opportunity to show my work. I've been kind of locked up in a cave for about 10 years and uh, had a lot of times where I felt 100% that uh, machine algorithms were causing the anomalies I was looking at. So it's it's uh, sort of vindicating uh, to finally get this out. And thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Yeah, it was it was to me, it was interesting because Phil and I were speaking earlier now. In a previous life, I used to do pattern analysis algorithms, watching sleep patterns, all this stuff. And when this election came, it was very great to find Phil because he was still doing that stuff coming from an engineering background. So it's like you had a whole resource so I could still go out there and educate people and Phil could focus on generating the data. And uh, I think it's been a great collaboration. And then uh, Benny, Benny, you're a software engineer and an election commissioner. So this is right. something very important to what you do. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have worked with you guys when I when I started this journey back with Bev Harris and blackboxvoting.org, you know, everybody wanted to say that, you know, I, I didn't go to college, so I'm, I'm just a high school graduate. They, they really said, you don't have the credentials. And I was like, my calculator, just like yours. Um, so a lot of people didn't really uh, uh, pay it a lot of attention. I said, you know, it's there and it, and it's, it seems like a gift that keeps on giving every election now. Uh, and I think a, a, a lot of it didn't go across because it was actually to the heart of the matter where right? People like to be solutions in search of problems. Uh, but this one is a, a, a solvable metric. And, and I would just say to the people who think that we are completely off base, you know, prove us wrong. Yeah. And I think the most important thing is this is out there. We didn't give it away to some Democrat establishment or Republican establishment, even though we have people, good people 
who are on the ground who may be a lowercase d or an upper lowercase r or an independent, forget the party establishments uh, per se, but there are people coming out who are interested. And I think this is a profound and historic opportunity where we are right now. And But it, it, it really comes down to you wanting to get educated and not be enslaved. If you don't get educated, you, you will be enslaved, period. You will be enslaved. So this is really up to you. It's not about Trump. It's not about Biden. It's not about the Supreme Court. It's not about Tucker Carlson. It's not about whoever, you know, Anderson, Cooper, whoever it is. This is about you. Do you want to get educated? Do you want to understand that the foundational basis of our democracy, the systems, the technology systems that run it and the processes are fundamentally flawed? And that's what we want to bring up. And it's a great time to bring it up because everyone's asking about the election. Well, we just shared data with you on Michigan. Yeah. And I, can I make another point? I'm, sure. we, are, we are literally doing this so, so that the, the establishment parties or the, the individuals who uh, are behind a lot of the chaos that we see or are not behind it, take it away from the voter. Everybody's saying that the voter is committing the fraud, right? There's, it's not voter fraud. Let's just correct that notion. Yeah. It's, it's election fraud. It's not voter fraud. I'm not trying to keep his guy, uh, a guy in power with his $200,000 a year job and $20 million in contract. I think he has more incentive to, to or he or she has more incentive to want to stay in power than, than I am willing to commit a crime so that they can. Yeah, I think this is an important point. It's interesting how the, those in power always try to flip it back on the, 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 the constituency. So I think the, notice we call this election integrity, election fraud, not voter integrity, not voter fraud, right? right. I think most citizens would be probably fine with getting a voter uh, you know, registration card. I don't think anyone would have that problem. Right. But I think these things, some of these things of the voter fraud issue are purposely done so you can deviate it over there and you can keep the real fraud continuing in these systems. Anyway, thank you, Phil. Any, Phil, any other closing comments from you? No, just thank you both very much. Yeah, thank you, Phil. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Benny. And we'll be back. We'll be, we'll be uh, our goal is to educate people. Uh, and remember that it's about truth, freedom, and health. That's what this is about. We need to have freedom to get to truth as we just did here. So we had an open discourse among so there, I think Benny, you from a certain party, me and yeah, Democrat parties, Democrat, you know, I I'm independent. Phil's a Republican. So this is not a Republican Democrat independent. This is an American issue. It's a, it's an engineering issue. So thank you everyone. Stay on guys. Thank you everyone. God bless you. Bye-bye.